Hello and welcome to Carlton's Corner, the podcast where we dive deep into the world of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm your co-host Alex, and with me is our other co-host Anthony. Together, we're going to explore the highs, the lows, and the unforgettable moments that make being a Leafs fan a lifelong journey. So first off, Anthony, how's it going, man? Let's tell the fans a little bit about yourself. Uh, hey guys, yeah, it's uh, it's going pretty good. Um, so my name's Anthony. Uh, I am currently a student at Brock University, and I am entering, or I am in my fourth and final year as a sports management uh, undergrad. And uh, yeah, I've been obviously a huge Leaf fan for a very long time. Um, and uh, what better way to to be a Leaf fan than be able to to voice our opinions and and get obviously everybody else's opinions on such and working with a close friend of mine and Alex. And I just think it's going to work very well. So Alex, now about yourself? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. uh, I'm also my fourth and final year of university. I'm at Toronto Metropolitan University studying sport media. So I'm on the other side. Anthony is studying to become, become a GM, someone involved in sports. I'm trying to be the one that's covering it. And so that's exactly what we're doing here with Carlton's corner. And so with that, we'll just jump right in. We'll get start getting into it. Anthony, uh, first up on the docket, we're going to talk about the Leafs free agency. We had a new GM with uh, Brad Chilliving come in after they let go of Kyle Dubas, and he started making some moves pretty early. Uh, yeah, for sure. He uh, obviously made some pretty notable transactions this summer, letting, letting some very uh, key free agents leave. Uh, probably the most notable being Michael Bunting and Ryan O'Reilly with the likes of uh, Noel Achari, um, especially after acquiring them, after, sorry, Kyle Dubas acquiring them uh, at the deadline uh, as in in last season. Um, choosing not to re-sign uh, some of those guys was definitely uh, questioned by a lot of fans in the media, especially considering Ryan O'Reilly, you know, from the area, um, big name. Big they guy. they. Yeah, exactly. They paid up a lot for him. Uh, you know, I think he played played very well for us, both in the regular season and the playoffs, bearing his broken hand or finger, whichever it was that kept him out for, for a chunk of games at the end of the season. Um, but uh, yeah, and then obviously the other one being Michael Bunting. He obviously came here a few seasons ago from Arizona on a very, very, very cheap deal and put up some very, very, very good numbers, uh, albeit playing alongside Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner for majority of the time. Um, and then uh, him choosing to sign in Carolina for, I think it was four and a half for three years. Um, you know, I think something he's going to, I think he's going to play top line there something as well. He, he has that little pessiness to him. Um, but yeah, talking, talking now into the, uh, into their new free agent signings in the summer here. Uh, Alex, I'll let you get into a little bit of depth about how, how you enjoyed those signings and who they were. Yeah, sure. I'll just touch on what you just spoke about. Also, you nailed it with bunting four and a half million over three years. Um, but yeah, losing Ryan O'Reilly was personally a bit of an emotional one. You know, like I said, big Leafs guy, uh, seeing how excited his family and especially his dad was. Uh, I can understand the pressures of the market, but to, to be a captain of a, I guess he was a alternate captain of the Stanley Cup winning team, but then to be a captain of a team that was trying to contend, then coming to the Leafs again, a team that's trying to contend, and to go to Nashville, I was like, that's that's a bit of bit of an odd one for someone yeah. that I guess you have a cup ring already, but didn't make a lot of sense to me. And yeah, some people complain about like the foot speed, especially when he was on the line with Tavares on the wing. I never thought that was really the right play. I thought he should have been in third line center, uh, and Tavares is right back to his role in two C now. Um, and again, Bunting, same thing like you said, 
it produced very well, but it was it's debatable whether that was on his own volition or because of his circumstances of playing on the top line. Mm-hmm. And so to perfectly replace that, one of the biggest signings, July second, almost right off the bat, uh, Brad Living signed Tyler Batuzzi to a one year contract for an uh, average annual value of five and a half million dollars. So I guess just one year. So one year, yeah. five and a half mil. Uh, Bertuzzi is going to play that exact bunting role. He's already up on the first line with Matthews and Marner. Uh, pesky guy. We'll, we'll fight in the corners. We'll, we'll, we'll rough you up. Uh, not afraid to take some penalties as much as it might uh, negatively affect the team. He's, he's going to be in there uh, grinding away just like bunting was and, you know, great finisher on the net. There's a reason the Bruins that just put up the best regular season in initial history went out and acquired him. And, you know, the brand of Bruins hockey, the rough and tough of course. Uh, beat him up Bruins. And that's exactly who he is. So bringing him in, I think, is a perfect replacement for bunting, if not even just an upgrade. Uh, the one-year contract, and we'll get into this a little bit, Brad just out a, a bunch mm-hmm. of one-year contracts for some decent names, uh, is a little concerning just because of the <laughs> amount of cap that this team has taken up already. Like, they're right on the brink. Like, they, I think they're carrying, like, what, 20, 21 guys right now? I think they have, yeah. I think they have the minimum um, plus, I think, just one extra guy at the moment. Yeah, so like they're they're right up against it, and knowing that all these contracts are coming off, and if these guys perform well, they're going to want more. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving forward, it's like looking towards the future. It's a bit concerning, but we're, we're focused on this year. This team is the team that <coughs> wants to contend this year, and so that's really yeah. all the vision is right now. Um, but some other one-year deals. Uh, the biggest one on July first was right-handed shot defenseman John Klingberg, one year, four point one five million dollars. Uh, this one was a bit controversial, and I think, Anthony, you can touch on that a little bit uh, after this, but basically right-hand shot Morgan Riley, but probably worse defensively, and was coming off a brutal year on one of the worst teams in the league. So you want to touch on maybe a little bit of Klingberg's past and kind of the rep, because I know there was a big contract on the table in Dallas that he didn't up ta- end up taking and uh, kind of went downhill from there. Yeah, so essentially a couple seasons ago, when John Klingberg was in his final year or after his final season in Dallas with his uh, contract ending. Yeah. I think there was something along the lines of the Dallas stars offering him a max term deal. So either seven or eight years. Um, and the annual average value was, I believe North of seven and a half million dollars. So in the eight by eight range. Um, and I think he, he declined that because at the time, I think that he was one of the premier power play defensemen and offensive defensemen in the league. Um, he's always been a guy that's, uh, he's not like a big guy. He's not a fast guy, but he's, he's very good with his passing. I think he's, he's above average with his skating. And I think his power play mobility and, and ability to quarterback any power play is just, is just fantastic. Um, but yeah, so he he decided to bet on himself, not take that deal, hit free agency, and uh, and that's where his so-called fall from grace happened. He uh, he ended up taking a one-year uh, prove-it deal with Anaheim, and I think it was a seven million for one-year deal um, with a no move or no trade clause. I cannot recall at the moment, um, but. Essentially, that's where he ended up in Anaheim, played about half a season there, three quarters of a season, uh, was traded to Minnesota at the deadline for almost nothing. I think it was a fourth or a fifth round pick. Uh, and he was there for the remainder of the season and and in the playoffs. Um, and then 
I think, yeah, like you said it, you said it best when he was signed to the Maple Leafs on on the first day of free agency. I think everybody was extremely surprised, um, considering uh, they he he wasn't really the style of defenseman that Toronto needed. I think I think most of the Leaf fans, especially the older generation, wanted a uh, wanted a bigger guy, a bruiser guy, kind of like what you mentioned about Bertuzzi, but on the back end, some guy yeah, that's exactly. not afraid to to do anything. And especially with Tree Living coming in, I think everybody was expecting somebody like Nikita Zadorov. Um, but obviously, there was rumors still- he was going to trade with Calgary the whole time that he was going to try and bring one of those defensemen. And that was something he addressed too, is getting bigger yeah. on, the, on the blue line, which yeah. Klingberg is big, but to your point, isn't that type of player. Yeah, he's... Uh, He's more of a of a tall, lanky guy, um, and and yeah, like touching on what you just said there. I think there were a lot of rumors in the offseason, especially with uh, with Samsonov being an RFA and entering uh, arbitration. I think there were a lot of rumors of of Tree Living going and poaching some players out of Calgary, such as like Nikita Zadorov and even Daniel Vladar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so touching back on the Klingberg, um, you know, Toronto signs them to a four point one five million dollar deal for one season this year. Um, and everybody didn't think that he was the, the, the kind of guy that we needed, but I mean, here he is. I think, I don't know if you, you were, uh, you saw what I was saying when, when we did sign him, but I don't think it's a bad signing at all. I think, you know, our power play has always been a top, top power play in the league, albeit comparing to Edmonton, everybody doesn't look that good. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, Morgan Riley, I love this guy. I think, you know. He's my guy. I think he should have been obviously the C. Um, but John Klingberg, I think personally, is a better power play defenseman over uh, over Morgan Riley. And I mean, just ju- just touching into the first game here, uh, I think he had two power play assists on the opening night. So um, I think that uh, I think that you know if if he can play the way he played in his first game, I can't complain. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll touch in here about uh, some of these other free agents they signed. I know he's not he's not a notable hockey player, but I know he for sure is a notable names. Uh, Alex, I'll let you uh, go deep into uh, <laughs> talking about Ryan Reeves here. Oh my God, thank you, thank you. The, the goat Ryan Reeves. Yeah, yeah this know. one it was again July 1st, like right off the bat. I think that's actually the first signing, like free agent signing that Bradshaw Living made with the Leafs was bringing in Ryan Reeves on a three-year contract at a 1.35 million AAV. Big time questions. Three years for a guy that's already 36, going to take him till he's nearly 40. This guy's bounced around a bunch of teams in the recent years because teams pick him up wanting that that enforcer on the fourth line. The guy that keeps the other team in check is going to protect the stars, but he's just not the most skilled hockey player. No, and again, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it again later in the pod, uh, how the how some of these acquisitions, acquisitions have looked through a training camp in the first game. But like the biggest concern with Ryan Reeves is committing that much cap it's, it's, I know it's not that much, like 1.35. Mm. You're like, oh, it's, it's a small contract. That's not fully variable. So you, if you send him down, that's still affecting the cap. Yeah. And the term. Like this, we saw with Wayne Simmons, the guys who play this style of hockey, they hit a wall and they drop off. And for yeah. a guy that's already not the most skilled, like Wayne Simmons at least had some redeeming qualities. Not to say Ryan Reeves is, like, can't play, but... Wayne Simmons at least was a goal scorer in the past. Ryan Reeves has never been that. Yeah. And so there was a lot of questions coming in about what is he actually bringing to the team other than just being maybe a voice in the locker room or like fighting isn't even that prevalent in the game right now. Again, we saw yeah. it in, in game one with uh, the guy and those are t- kind of the two of the biggest guys that fight. <laughs> like I think uh, Jack, I was up there lead 
up there in uh, fights last season and yeah. so was Ryan Reeves, but like, mm-hmm. like really where is the value here? And like, it's, it's hard to root against a guy like Ryan Reeves. Cause like as much as it is like a, like a, a caveman mentality, everyone loves mm-hmm. to see a fight. Everyone loves to see people beat each other up, especially, you know, it's hot, it's hockey culture, but it's very questionable. And moving forward, even just this season, seeing how Reeves is going to fit. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the commitment that Brad Schilling made. He's <clears throat> talked about adding snot, and that's exactly what Ryan Reeves is. So that's perfectly on brand for what he wants to add to this team. But is that really worth it for the amount of money in term that he committed? I, I don't really like it, man. <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a deal that, you know, had a lot of people questioning, um, especially, like you said, like, it's above the variable limit. Um, and he's never really been a guy that's ever gotten term. And, you know, you get, you give him three years and I believe he's 35, 36. 36, 36. So he's, so he's turning 37 in this following year and you give him a three-year deal. So essentially you have him until his age 40 season. And it's been a guy that he, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, he's like an injury prone guy. Like he's a bruiser guy. And obviously that comes with repercussions, but he, uh, the thing I like about Reeves is that he's not going to be there to stake, to take stupid penalties. Um, like I know last year he only had, uh, from what I see here, he only had 43 penalty minutes in 73 games. So he's not a guy that's going to go completely out of his way to, to do something, but he's just a guy to have around that when you get guys that, you know, start playing a little rough and, and horse around some of your star players that he's going to, you know, maybe go out there and set the tone. Like, like exactly what Jack, I did yesterday when Reeves threw a hit and Jack, I went in and, and had to, you know, tell him that he was there and do him again. It's going to happen. Do it again. It's going to happen. Right. So um, he is just, uh, you know, like you said, one of those guys that, that tree living wanted to bring in and it felt like it was something that was bound to happen, but definitely not at the, uh, at the contract they gave him. No. And, um, and you're, de- you're definitely right with the, like th- there's definitely repercussions for your actions on the ice for and sure. as much as he doesn't really bring too much <laughs> offensively or even defensively for that much. This is a team that needs that. And like they get clowned on in the media and on social media all the time for like a guy will get hit. It is a bad hit and no one goes over to whoever committed the hit. Exactly. Every other team in the league, again, like I, I touched on Boston a little bit ago, they just put up the best regular season in NHL history, like most wins, most points. That's a team that sticks up for each other. And anytime someone takes a nasty hit or someone does something that isn't appreciated by the team, someone's over there giving it to them. And that's a, mm-hmm. that, that, this team lacks that. And so Ryan Reeves brings that to the team. He can't do it when he's on the bench, obviously, but doing it on the ice, maybe leading by example, can hopefully get those the big stars. Like you don't really want to see Marner and Matthews fighting all that often, but you got to stick up for yourselves. Like last year in the playoffs, when Matthews was getting ragdolled by Stamkos, he he started throwing punches yeah. too. It's like that was yeah. good to see. Like like it's unfortunate that like that, that is a part that, of the game yeah. that that yeah that it comes to that. But it, it, that it's the fact of the matter is like. That it's hockey. That's what happens, and so you, mm-hmm. you need to push back. You can't just sit here and be like, "Oh, well, like I'm just going to take the punches and try and take my penalty." Like, no, Matthew's got a penalty for that too. So yeah, you, you got to yeah. push back, and Reeves, Reeves brings that. But exactly. I, think, I think that's enough on. Uh, <laughs> I think, think we spent enough on Ryan Reeves. Uh, uh, yeah. we, we won't go over every single free agent acquisition, but there's one more big name out here that uh, I think we should definitely touch on. Uh, that's Dylan Gambrell. No, I'm joking. Of course, Max, of course, Max, of Max course. Domi, Max Domi, <laughs> finally back in Toronto, one year deal, three million dollars flat. 
is not going to take his dad's number. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on a little bit. Sam Lafferty was traded, so 28 is now available, but he's, he's his own man. He's, mm-hmm. his, uh, he's wearing number 11. Uh, Max yep. Domi, finally back in Toronto. He's been a bit of a journeyman recently. I think he he went where last year? He was Dallas. He was Carolina the year before. Was uh, Columbus. Yeah, he's, I he's, believe this is his seventh team. Yeah, he's, been, a, he's been around, and it's looked like he was going to land in a couple different spots. Like, he wasn't that bad in Arizona, and then all of a sudden they trade him to Montreal. He has that big season. Looks like he's a top six player there, and it's kind of bounced around since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Right, Chicago. Actually, I completely forgot. That's where he signed him and traded him to Dallas last year. Yeah. Um, but he he produced pretty decently in the playoffs. And like we we're talking about this this snot and this this pushback that this team lacks. Max Domi brings that. He's not like exactly. He's probably not the thirty goal seventy point guy he was in Montreal anymore. But he's a decent little producer, especially if he's going to play with uh, things on the line with Tavares and and Nylander through his first couple of games in preseason. Mm-hmm. He's going to produce. He's going to he's going to bring some physicality. Uh, may, might take some penalties. <laughs> He's kind of been up yeah. there in pims recently, but but I I was actually my opinion on the signing has completely flipped from the day it happened. Everyone was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, bring in Domi. I want Domi." I was completely against it. I was like, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think he's that skilled. We were looking at him as a center at that time too, looking at him to yes. come in and play third line center. Uh, he could definitely fill in, especially if the center are minting down. But for now on the wing, I think he's a good fit, and I just like through through the through training camp through the preseason so far, I've I've really liked the fit and I've completely flipped my opinion. I'm a big fan of Max Domi. He mm. wants to commit long term. He's been he's been vocal about that, and I'm not against it, especially if he's not going to be too much. Like this is the type of guy this team needs a, a, exactly. a bleed blue heart and soul guy who wants to be here, can score, can produce, and can throw the body around and stick up for the team. Yeah, exactly. You know, he 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 signs with Chicago last season. Uh, who everybody everybody kind of knew going into the year that they would not be a uh, a playoff team. And and even though he's probably playing second or first line minutes there, he put up what fifty points, forty nine points yeah, in sixty produce, games produce there. Really well. Um, and then he gets to Dallas, and you know he was kind of thrown in a, in a third line role there, um, not doing as much as he was in Chicago. Finished the season with seven points in twenty games with Dallas. Uh, then he obviously comes into the playoffs, and and he has thirteen in nineteen games. Um, and you know, touching back to what what Bertuzzi did, I believe he had ten points in seven games in the first round with the Bruins, yeah, including five producer. goals. Um, so that's that's huge, especially for for this Leafs team. That's known to you know not produce in the playoffs especially their stars um you know i can't i can't sit here and complain about max domi as a signing at all um like you like i think everybody knows uh ty domi played here was a fan favorite forever and i think when everybody found out that the leafs were signing max domi this year i think everybody was just excited as they were in the time of ty domi um but yeah he's he's been a journeyman drafted arizona ends up in montreal plays a couple years in columbus and then traded back-to-back years at the deadline the first time to carolina then the second time to dallas and then obviously ending up here in toronto as a free agent um but yeah you know he was on the london knights along with mitch marner so obviously they have a OHL connection there. Um, just missing, just missing uh, Christian Dvorak just to complete that juniors line. Uh, but I will, I will recommend us to stay away. Um, Absolutely. But no, I, I, I can't sit here and complain about Max Tomey. I think, especially at a, on a one-year deal, and especially for three million dollars. Um, I think there were a lot of other players out there that were signed for a little more, and I think bring a little less than him. So I'm, I'm glad it was done, and I'm glad uh, they were able to do it. Yeah, like again, I. 
completely changed my opinion. I have, I have no complaints, just only positive things to say about Max Domi right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think he's going to expect much more than $3 million, So if he, he does want to stay long-term and commit to this core, that's For perfect. Sure. And, uh, and with that, we're not going to touch on every single free agent signing. There's some minor league things that happen as well. Uh, we're just going to get into how some of these guys have fit through preseason and training camp and just the For team sure. in general. Because, again, I think Domi's been like the perfect fit. And I think a lot of these other guys that, uh, that they brought in have actually fit a lot better than... I was kind of anticipating again with with that change in regime with Trilliving come in for Dubis, there is that difference in opinion and the different perspective on the team, and we've been used to the Dubis philosophy for so long of bringing in these small skilled guys that are undervalued and no one really knows about, but they're he brings them in and they're going to produce, they're going to do well. Brad just brought in some names already know, and like some like, more bruises more like snod is the word keeps using which I, I don't understand how that means <laughs> physicality <laughs> but <laughs> that, that's his term i guess so we'll, we'll roll with it um but of they course. fit they, they fit pretty well uh going back to john Klingberg, he's looked really good on that top power play i really like the versatility he brings with being the right-handed shot from the point because if you look at some of the power plays that have succeeded over the years obviously edmonton's the best you don't, we don't, as much as Matthews and Marner are elite top end players, you're not McDavid and Dreisaitl, so you, you're course. not replicating that. But if you look at the Tampa system, <clears throat> where they have just so many one timer options, they have Hadman from the point, Stamkos on the left side with the the right hand shot, Kucherov on the right being a lefty, point in the bumper spot in the middle. The Leafs have been trying to emulate that, but Morgan Riley doesn't, he doesn't have like the big booming slap shot, he's more of like the the little wrister that sneaks through or that you put on yeah. for a tip in front. Klingberg he just has, throws out. Yeah. 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 He just kind of dishes, dishes the puck in, dishes it around or like tosses it on net with just like a nice little wrister that might sneak through. Klingberg has that big bomb and he's not afraid to use it. And that opens up William Nylander on the one time slot on the other exactly. side, which we saw in game one, you're <clears throat> jumping ahead a little bit, but exactly. I think that's a really good fit. And it, it, it's like when they brought in Tyson Berry, they didn't use him properly. They didn't put him mm-hmm. on the top power play right away. And so he didn't yeah. kind of struggle a little bit. I think Klingberg is kind of the same mold where he needs to be on that top power play to really bring the most value and produce. Mm-hmm. And they corrected that mistake. He's on the top power play. Riley can still produce at five on five. He can be this, the quarterback of PP2. But Klingberg has sure. fit beautifully. There's still obviously like defensive concerns, <laughs> which uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll see as we, we go through 82, 82 games with them. But so far, actually, I really like that fit. Uh, yeah, like like what you said, like Toronto, Toronto trying to emulate some of those better power plays. Like they've had a top power play for a little bit, but it seems like they're very streaky. There's a, there's a few games where they have, you know, where they if they have five opportunities, they're scoring two three times, and then they have a couple weeks where they're getting four or five chances a game, and they score maybe zero or or even at most one, and it kind of looks looks bleak at times. Um, but having a guy like you know Guy Boucher come in, and now he's running your power play with uh, Carberry going to Washington. Um, you know, having that, having a shooting defenseman on the power play is something that we have yet to see in the Maple Leafs era, uh, Maple Leafs era with Austin Matthews. Um, cause obviously when he was a rookie and, and in his younger times, he had, uh, Morgan Riley and then Jake Gardner. Um, none of those guys were really power play guys. Um, and then you come in and maybe you have Rasmus Sandin and, you know, he's not a big guy. He's not a shooting guy. So he didn't really have too much, uh, too much opportunity with that puck and especially with with him not being here anymore um you're gonna need somebody um like john klingberg because even tyson berry like you mentioned isn't a big body guy he doesn't have a big shot he's more of these guys are all passing options uh they're just there to 
to quarterback it at the top at the blue line. Um, but John Klingberg adds a real threat. And I think that we saw that in the first game with him, him almost jumping in to take a shot and having that point guy cover him and leaving Nylander open. And that ended up in a William Nylander one-time goal. So yeah, I think it's so that, refreshing. Uh, I know it's like, I know like this is only after one game and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but that first game, like very, very, very minor mistakes, but We'll touch into that in a little bit, um, but no, that that power play looked very good, especially even at six on five. I think they uh, with Klingberg out there. I think it's uh, yeah, like you said, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Now we're gonna bring it up in a preseason and training camp, but we are one game in. I think we can kind of talk about it as a whole. Uh, sure. You were there, so maybe you can speak to it a little bit more. But just uh, <clears throat> what do you see from Fraser Minton? Again, I wasn't able to watch the whole game. I saw the highlights, but this this guy's not coming to nowhere. But I don't think coming into training camp. Not anyone, not even Sheldon Keefe and Brad Chaliving were expecting him to make the team. Like they were lining up with William Nylander at third line center. Yeah. And yeah. now we have this rookie line with Nysmith and Yarncroft and uh, he's looked pretty good. I and mean, do you think he's just up for his nine game sample or do you, do you think he's sticking for a little while? Um, I personally think he's going to be up uh, just for a nine game sample, but I mean, if he can surprise me, so be it. Uh, Fraser Minton, I think, you know, uh, we, we end up getting him from, uh, a Chicago Blackhawks draft pick after we trade Peter Mrazek and our first round pick. I believe it was pick 20, like in the mid 20s. It was 28. It was late. I'm so yeah, just to jump in here. I'm so glad it's worked out because the narrative around that trade was that they gave up a first round pick to get rid of Mrazek. Exactly. Like you, you slid back like eight to 10 spots. Exactly. And so if, if Minton's going to be an impact guy, especially this early, that puts that narrative to bed, which I'm so they've, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. They've, they've even come out and said that, uh, with their first round pick that year, they were targeting Fraser Minton and they figured that why pick him now when we can get something out of it. So they get out of the Mrazic deal for a couple seasons, uh, along with their first round pick, whatever, I think it was 28. Um, and then, you know, you trade back to the, where Chicago was picking at pick 38 and, uh, and you end up taking the guy that you're going to take 10 spots earlier while unloading a, uh, a not so team friendly contract. Uh, for a not so very good goalie um, you know it was uh, I think that trade at the time was kind of looked at and was kind of shunned upon but the way it's looked out now is is pretty good considering now uh, Fraser Minton now playing with the Leafs especially on that third line um, you know in that first game I don't think he did anything too flashy but and he didn't do anything too noticeable but for a second round rookie playing in your uh, draft plus uh, one year or draft plus two years sorry I think that's a good thing. You don't want to be noticed on the ice because usually as a rookie, you get noticed for the bad things. And if uh, if you're getting noticed, or sorry, if you're not getting noticed out there, especially playing third line minutes um, with another rookie and maybe more of a defensive player, I think they, they played to the best of their abilities and the best that they were sorted out because there was a lot of power play time during the game. Um, and I noticed that a lot of the time they were not on the uh, first unit and not too much on the second unit. Although I did see Minton and Nyes hop out there at least once for a penalty killing shift. Uh, it wasn't a, a it wasn't for the faceoff. It was on the fly. So I thought that was kind of cool that Sheldon Keefe was kind of throwing his trust into them, especially uh, both being rookies and in their first season. Um, yeah, some of the young guys out there bring some energy. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> all in all, I think I think Nyes and Minton both played uh, as good as they could. I don't think they played fantastic, but I don't think they played horrible by any means. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think uh, I think Nyes or sorry Minton is going to up, uh, just be up here for the nine games, and I think. After those nine games, uh, they will be sending him back to uh, K 
Camp Loops, I believe is where he is, the Blazers yeah, in the WHL. Um, I think he's just going to, I think their plan for him is to just go back to the WHL for one more year. Uh, hopefully make Team Canada, which I think he will. Um, and then in that opportunity with that, sending him down, they will be uh, able to activate Connor Timmons off long-term injury reserve. Yeah, I don't think there's any issue with leaving up for nine games. Obviously, you don't want to rush a rookie, but exactly. he's, he's he's fit. And like, if he doesn't even last the nine games, that's okay, too. He's getting some NHL experience. Like you said, he'll go back and probably make Team Canada. This was a guy when they drafted him wasn't even point per game in the WHL, which typically for your first, second round picks, those are guys that are producing at a point per game, if not above level in junior. Um, last year, 31 goals, 67 points in 57 games. If you can go back to Cam Loops, be a first line center, probably be a top six guy on in the world junior team. Mm-hmm. If not, at least be like a second power play top nine guy. For um, sure. It, it'll just aid his production or aid his, uh, his progression and his production too. But there's, there's really no bad aspect to just keeping him up, seeing what he can do in the NHL. And Hey, if he all of a sudden pops off and starts scoring goals, like goes for goal per game for the next eight games, maybe they'll keep him. Um, but I, I agree. I think he is probably only up for his nine game sample and goes back down, especially mm-hmm. with the, the cap restraints. Don't burn that year. We want the ELC. If he makes mm-hmm. the team again next exactly. year, is I think he's I think he's nine two five, if not less. Um, yeah, I believe it's I believe it's uh, it's under the nine point or sorry the nine two five uh, range. I believe he is in yeah, the so perfect. Eights, yeah. I think it's eight forty five. I think eight hundred forty five k with another slide, so that'll be even lower. Yeah, exactly. So even if it doesn't make the team next year, like there's no expectation that oh, because he made it out of camp this year, he has to stay full time exactly. next year. He can exactly. still go back. I think. I think he's. This is his. I think he's got one more year of WHL eligibility after this season. Yeah, I so think so. He can uh, still even go back to the dub. Exactly. I believe that even if. Uh, so if he comes, or sorry, if they do send him back down this year, I believe, like you said, he has one more year. Um, but I think by the end of his eligibility, I think he'll be more than ready for for at least a third line role on the Maple Leafs. Even no. play him, play him on a wing on a higher role. Say Domi or uh, Bertuzzi don't come back. I think Nice gets into that left wing spot first. But Minton's definitely definitely a guy you yeah. have to look out for. Yeah, absolutely. So uh just want to correct quickly, it was the 25th overall pick that the Leafs held and traded back for. Gotcha. And with that pick, the Blackhawks dra- drafted Sam Renzel, right-handed okay. defenseman out of uh, the Waterloo Blackhawks of the USHL. And so, and, uh, and in his D plus one year, in his draft plus one year, he wasn't even playing NCAA yet. I think he's still playing USHL. USHL. Yeah, yeah I, believe, I believe this year, though, he is playing in the NCAA. Uh, I cannot clarify as to which team that is. I want to say it is uh, Minnesota. But gotcha. he is playing NCAA this year. But yeah, I don't think yeah, uh, so he was eligible for last year. But yeah, no. But so so to dump the Mrazek contract, get rid of a goalie who just helped the Blackhawks tank, <laughs> and it's yeah. like three point four million dollar contract, and to pick up a guy who's even if he doesn't stay full time, going to pick up some NHL games this year. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful trade by Kyle Dubas. Um, for sure. I think that's, any, a, that's a pure win-win trade, to be honest oh, with you. Yeah, yeah for obviously, sure. Yeah. Obviously, Mrazek carries Connor the Bedard out of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that worked out well. Yeah, definitely. I don't think there are any complaints, even if Sam Rizal doesn't make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, okay, moving on anyway. So, we touched on Fraser Minton. Thinking, both of us thinking he's going to go back down. Uh, obviously, they can op- then uh, activate Connor Timmons off of LDIR. But the yep. big question, one of the biggest questions coming into training camp that we do have a bit of an answer to was Nick Robertson and his ability to make the lineup. And obviously didn't make it out of camp, was sent back down. I don't think he necessarily had a, again, I didn't see too much, but I don't think he had a bad training camp at preseason. Like this mm-hmm. guy still is very young, but his upside at this point 
does look pretty capped. I don't think he's, he's like he scored 50 goals in junior. I don't think he's anywhere near the, the 50, 40, 30 goal guy people were projecting him as mm-hmm. after his D plus one year. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of expected him to make the lineup over Fraser Minton. And so when Minton goes down, there is a hole <coughs> in that third line. So whether Domi slides back to be a third line center and Nyes moves up, there's still a bottom six opening, which I think a lot of people thought Robertson would fill. But obviously he's in the he's in the minors, and uh, I know you have some strong opinions on him. So I'll kind of let you go off on where Robertson is in his development, how what he looked like this year, and uh, kind of what his role with this team is going forward. Uh, yeah, so essentially uh, Robertson had a fifty five goal season in forty six games in uh, the nineteen twenty season for Peterborough, um, and then his first taste of NHL action was when they called him up for the. Uh, uh, the play-in round against Columbus, where he did score one goal, but that was his only point of the series. Um, and then after that happened, everybody kind of just assumed that he was a a fill-in for, or I guess a lock for the top nine for the Leafs for the following season. Um, kind of started the year, had some injury troubles, um, and then ended up playing majority of the season in the AHL with the Marlies. Um and then coming into the following season in 21-22, same story. Figured that he was kind of a lock for a top nine role. Um, plays a handful of games, a lot of injury troubles. Finishes the season playing most of his games with the Marlies. And then coming into last season, everybody was like, all right, well, this is the year. And, you know, he started out the year with the Leafs. Or sorry, he did not because they picked Dennis Malgin over him. And they had... They had sent Robertson down because of his waiver exemption status, uh, kept Malgin up, realized that the Malgin experiment had failed, called Robertson up. Um, and, you know, aside from his two goal game against the Dallas Stars, where he scored the overtime winner, um, I don't think there was much to say about him. Um, and then obviously ended out the season with a very, very, very brutal shoulder injury. Um, and it looks like his, uh, development path is coming to a downslope. Um, like you said, I like talking about me having strong opinions on him. Um, I don't hate this player. He is definitely somebody that has showed <laughs> promise. Put that out there. Yeah. Um, I want to put it out there that I'm not somebody that's com- that's against Nick Robertson and preying on his downfall. Um, he is a fantastic player. I saw him a handful of times in junior in Peterborough or in Mississauga. Um, you know, he was a lights out junior player um, and, and bound to be a goal scorer. But for the hype that he was given and the fact that majority of the Leaf fan base was comparing him to Cole Caulfield, who is now <laughs> probably going to be one of the premier goal scorers this season in the NHL. Like already um, was last year. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of it's kind of just been a big downfall for for Nick Robertson, and it's extremely unfortunate because every single NHL game that he's ever played in, he has had the highest motor. He's had the most energy. He's he's been phenomenal. It's just it wasn't falling his way, and with his injury luck and his injury history, it just doesn't look like he's going to be able to become the player that everybody thinks he's going to be with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, me saying that, I do not think that his he's just a complete non-NHLer at this point. I think that he can be at some point. I just don't think that he has a spot, not this season with the Toronto Maple Leafs, bearing a barrage of injuries to the winger position, but he's not playing over on the right wing over guys like, obviously, Marner and Nylander. He's not playing on the left wing over guys like Domi, 
Bertuzzi and now even Nyes. Um, and, and you don't play him in a, in a, uh, in a fourth, fourth line, line. Yeah. with David Kampf and Ryan Reeves. That no. is just not, that's not setting them up for even more failure. Offensive um, black hole. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, you know, he can be a player. I just don't think his ceiling is any higher at this point than a third line scoring winger. Um, you know, Which it's we'll been take. With the yeah, 30, I mean, 53rd yeah. overall pick, you, like, are you really expecting a guy is going to come in and score 50, 40 goals like people are no, projecting him not to? not at all. No. If, he can, if he can put up 15 goals a season on the, on the third line left wing, I think everybody everybody will be happy considering the way he's turned out. But uh, yeah, but yeah those, are, those, those are my apparently strong opinions toward the guy. <laughs> um, and I always kind of get, get thrown around for it. But in reality, that's what it is. And uh, I don't know if you want to touch on anything else there. Yeah, yeah, Robinson, I, Alex. I had to call you out there because uh <laughs> yeah, the, the way you're acting sometimes it sounds like you do hate the guy but i, I know it's not the case um but yeah just just it's the toronto maple leafs man like it the massive fan base the massive media attention he was way too overhyped after that g plus one season like it's still incredible player 55 goals and 46 ohl games but again mm-hmm. it's, it's the ohl like exactly we mentioned christian devorak earlier christian devorak was like a 100 plus score like i think 50 goal guy in the ohl connor brown outscored mcdavid playing for yeah, the Erie yeah, Otters, yeah, so yeah, that exactly. just like, yeah so like the ohl doesn't mean direct translation to the nhl uh but like you said mo- motor guy like heart and soul like where's his heart in the sleeve type of guy like he has given it his all every single time he's out there big time energy uh, and not a bad producer like last uh, last season again kind of beat up with injuries didn't really get to play all that much but 21-22 with the Marlies he had 16 goals 28 points in 28 games mm-hmm. if he can go down there have a full season in the A put up 20-30 goals be around that point per game mark as like the, the top guy on the, the AHL team in the Toronto Marlies I think he can definitely make the team next season. Hell, even this season, especially like if there's injuries with Minton going down, if that opens up a slot, uh, if he has a good start in the AHL, like by, again, by no means do either of us hate this player, but mm-hmm. I think the, the lofty expectations that were put on him, again, people comparing him to one of the premier goal scorers in Cole Caulfield, like that, that's not the case. I think he can be a yeah, 15, 20 goal, third line guy, brings the energy, some depth scoring and play on the second power play. Just not right now, not right away. Like, Go down, yeah. let him let him be that top end scorer. Try to translate those skills. Try to stay healthy for a full season. Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't done that mm-hmm. since like before the pandemic with uh, the Peterborough Pete's in the OHL. Yeah, so, uh, not not in the cards for this year. But again, this kid's very young. He was the youngest player in his draft class. He's still only twenty two years old. Let's let's let him develop a little bit yeah. more before we jump to some conclusions saying oh he's not an NHLer. I think he'll yeah. definitely be an NHLer going forward, whether it's next year or the year after. Let's just have a little patience, and especially people calling for him to be traded. Like his value is at an all time low. Let's like mm-hmm. do not move on from this player. Develop him properly. Don't rush him up into the NHL because you thought he would make it out of out of uh, out of junior two year or two three years ago. I'm fine mm-hmm. with Nick Robertson going down. Yeah, I think uh, I don't think. Coming into training camp with with the with the handful of guys they signed in the summer, I don't think I expected him to be on the team. Yeah, um, but There's definitely I also a lot of didn't media expect buzz thinking he would because like yeah. no one expected Minton to right exactly. But. And 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 the fact that Minton made it as far as he could, like even looking at Easton Cowan, like he yeah. had like he he was with the team up until the final day, and yeah. when they when they sent him back to London like the day before uh the leaf like the home opener i think he was with the team and you know i don't think anybody had had easton cowan even getting an entry-level contract in the summer and they handed it to him came into training camp had a phenomenal training camp and lasted 
pretty much until the the very final cut and i think after the second cut i realized that you know easton cowan has a chance and and he was still in that group with guys like robertson um minton and and obviously nice we figured would make it um but you know uh like I think he had a great camp, and I think there were just too many guys that were outperforming Nicholas Robertson in training camp that they couldn't turn any of the other guys down. Uh, especially considering you know Robertson coming off a a sh- shoulder surgery, I think last winter. Um, so I think he's yeah. still trying to get his form back. But yeah, it's uh, we like again hope hope he turns out into being an NHL player. But um, all we can do right now is wait and see. Yeah, and to your point, like Easton Cowan lasted a lot longer in training camp than anyone really thought. That was really a surprise pick. I think he was they had the what 29th overall pick. Yeah, they got back for uh, Boston's projected pick third round. Sandy projected third round. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like again at the time, everyone's like, "Oh, who who the hell is Easton Cowan?" Mm-hmm. But if you look at his numbers, decent producer in London, he'll probably be top six if not first line guy this year on a team that's perennially competing for the Memorial Cup. Um, the Leafs have a pretty good prospect, like I was just say, like prospect pyramid. That's the, the Steve Dangle thing. Have a pretty <laughs> good, uh, have some pretty good prospects coming up, and I don't think you need to rush them. Like you can send Minton down, let Robertson develop, let Cowan develop. They sure. added pieces to this team, like they're looking good, and these are guys that you're going to need on these entry level contracts at their peak. Like you can't rush sure. them and have them and mess up their development. So yeah, Cowan, Robertson, even Minton after your sample, if, if he's not a uh, looking good enough to stay up, let, let them develop, man. Like exactly. there's, enough, there's enough pressure in this market. Let these kids develop somewhere else. Like exactly. Yeah. Like even just touching into the, uh, to the Cowan pick, like you said, like everybody was kind of surprised. Everybody didn't really know too much about who he was because he was projected in the third round. Um, and I don't think it was early third round either. Um, no. And to see that the Leafs, they came out and they said that they were looking to move back, but it just seemed like there was, it was such a deep draft and there were so many good players that teams didn't want to move back any further than they could or move forward any further than they could because they figured that they can get a handful of decent players out of this draft. And I think when Easton Cowett went at pick 28, I was genuinely surprised considering there were still uh, projected top 20 talents still available and Easton Cowan was not one of them. Like there were guys like Bradley Nadeau, Mikhail Guliev. And I think the biggest surprise of the draft was Andrew Kristal dropping to 40 after being a potential top 10 pick um, ends up in Washington. And I figured that the Leafs would be smart enough to go after a guy that has fallen considering they were so late. Um, but, you know, they draft Easton Cowan and he had a hell of a training camp and all we can do right now is just wait and see how he is and see how he plays with London this uh, this upcoming season. And uh, hopefully he ends up being a NHLer. Yeah. I mean, hey, look at, looking good out of the draft. So hopefully he has a good sure. year down there. For sure. Uh, another another guy that uh, <laughs> concerned me when, when they signed him in the offseason that uh, is going back down to the Marlies is uh, number three goaltender Barton Jones. Yeah. Now, this one was, was pretty smart that I didn't even realize. I'm not sure if it was reported on when they signed him that he had a $100,000 bonus scheduled for October 10th. Yeah. Now, why why does that stick out? Because October 10th is NHL opening day. Exactly. So you had to have your roster set the day before. So that was pretty smart by the Leafs. A team that's, especially with Kyle, du- Kyle Dubas, had every single waiver claim picked, or every single yeah, waiver guy on waivers claimed and poached. Yeah. And they were yeah. all gone. We could not sneak a guy through waivers to, to save our lives. And I so remember. that little bonus with Martin Jones was really sneaky, and... uh 
Uh, sorry, go 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 ahead with your little anecdote. There. I, no, sorry, I don't know if it was this past season or, or a couple seasons ago when the Leafs in mid-season ended up signing Hari Sateri to a contract, oh trying to get him as a third goalie, like some some goalie from I believe it was Sweden or Finland, and he. They signed him to just a base deal and he had to pass through waivers because they just wanted him as a third goalie, couldn't carry him on the roster and completely just random signing. And they put him on waivers. And of course, the number one priority, Arizona Coyotes are the only team to place a claim on him. For what reason? I don't even think he played like I'm trying to think of how many games he played with them. And for what I'm seeing right now, he ended up playing a grand total of six games for them only to end up back in Finland the following season. And then now in Switzerland for this season, and he's putting up good numbers there, but when he played for Arizona, that team was a defensive black hole. And, uh, and I mean, that was just probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen over the last few seasons, especially on the waivers. Uh, just, it just seemed like we could never send a guy down without him getting claimed. Um, and, and I'm glad that, they're now figuring out if they can structure contracts that way, like with Martin Jones, like giving him a, a portion of his contract after October 10th so that a team that if they did claim him, they'd have to owe him a big chunk of money. So I think that was pretty smart on Tree Living's part. That that Haru Satari claim was just a microcosm of the entire Kyle Dubas tenure. There was yeah. absolutely no reason the Coyotes needed him. For, nope. Yeah, for what? For six games? He played six take, games. Take a guess at how many goalies they rostered that season. How many goalies played a game for the, the Arizona Coyotes that season? Uh, that's so. Oh, that's a fantastic question. I uh, just throw throw I a don't number know out off there. the top. I'm going to say probably maybe five or six. Six. The ex- the six same goalies. amount of games that Harry Sateri played is the amount of goalies they played that season. They had yeah, Joseph Coronar, Scott yeah. Wedgwood, Karel Vamelka, Ivan Prosvetov, Harry Sateri, and Carter Hutton. You yeah. are bad. You, there's no reason to have signed, to have claimed Harry Sateri thinking this guy would come in and be the savior when you're already tanking. Yeah. You've already used five different goalies. Just exactly. use one of them. I'm sure uh, there's probably injuries or something, but there is absolutely no reason for them to claim him other than exactly. what we've heard rumored is that people just claimed it just to mess with the Leafs. Like they, they, sounds legitimately, right. they legitimately like ruined this guy's chances of hit, like playing in North America. Professional, playing professional hockey in North America by claiming him because he was so bad on that team that was god awful that he was back to the Swiss League the next season. Next season, like, yeah, it was. Uh, there was no point. In questionable. That yeah, not at okay, all. Okay, but anyway, so finally the Leafs are actually getting guys through waivers. <laughs> I know. Uh, so Martin Martin Jones goes down to the Marlies because of that signing bonus was pretty sneaky by Brad and Pridham and Brad living there. Um, that that signing really concerned me in the offseason. I know I probably overreacted that, but bringing in Martin Jones in hindsight now is the perfect fit. If you can go down to the Marlies, they have a bunch of guys down there that are on NHL deals that are really raw, really young, and mm-hmm. are not capable of coming up to play long term if, knock on wood, if um, Samson Aver will get injured, or even if they're just not performing well. Like, Wolk can still go back down. So there, there really wasn't a reliable third goalie in the organization. Like they let mm-hmm. go of uh, Eric Shalgren. Uh, I think he's in New Jersey now, uh, who played some games for them. And uh, so signing Martin Jones, it's, it's pretty smart if if they could sneak him through waivers, which they ended up doing, to be mm-hmm. the Marley starter. And he wasn't good last season, but he won like twenty some odd games. Like mm-hmm. he, he's he has NHL experience. He hasn't 
put up very good numbers recently, but I don't really hate having him as a backup in a pinch, or even if someone's going to miss, say, like a month. You roll with either Will or Sammy as a starter, and Martin Jones mm. can play every now and then. Um, mm-hmm. I was concerned that Tre Living's new perspective on things <laughs> wouldn't value Joseph Will as highly as Dubas did, and that mm-hmm. Martin Jones might come in <clears throat> as the backup, which obviously we know isn't the case now. So yeah. my, my worries were for nothing. But he's, he's just he's a, he's a guy. Like he's there. He, yeah. He'll step in if they need him. But yeah, there is really no concern. Like I definitely overreacted when that when that signing happened. So uh, <laughs> yeah. But in hindsight, now we're very very smart acquisition to to have some uh, insurance back there on the, mm-hmm. on the goalie side. Yeah, he uh, I like. For most of his career, I know at the beginning part he was, you know, back up in in LA, uh, and then the San Jose Sharks make him their starter. They, I believe, made the Cup Finals with him against Pittsburgh. His first year in San Jose, um, and San Jose was a playoff team for I think up until the eighteen nineteen season, and then nineteen twenty came along for San Jose, and uh, it is what it is, and they kind of just hit their wall everybody got old uh martin jones couldn't or didn't have this offensive support or defensive support in front of him uh ends up in philadelphia uh a couple seasons ago puts up some very mediocre numbers on a very mediocre team uh and then i think last year he was just the backup in seattle or or i guess he was tooted as the backup but they had a lot of injuries with grubauer and a lot of injuries with chris dreger especially or whatever he had happened to him um and then i don't think he really played too much after or outside of that. Like, I think he played, like it says here, he had one playoff appearance, but I doubt he started anything. I think it was just a, a relief. I'm pretty sure it's um, Grubauer in, yeah. Grubauer relief, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think by no means is he going to, did they sign him to be a starter? Um, no, I think no, they, no. they signed him to give, you know, Joseph Wool just some competition. Uh, just to clarify, Joseph Wool is not waiver exempt, so he would need okay. to be waived to go down. Um so with him, I think they wanted to kind of give a young goalie in Wool some competition in training camp, um, especially after coming in and being the backup for a bit last year and then playing a handful of games in the playoffs. And I think he played fantastic considering they kind of just threw him to the Wolves in the playoffs. I think he had a great playoffs, um, even a great regular season. I think he had, it says here he's a 932 yeah, finishing the regular season and the playoffs, he had a nine fifteen, and very high on Joseph Wolf. I love that. I love and that considering player. the Maple Leafs are very, very, very poor with their goaltending in the playoffs, I think every goaltender they've had ever since Austin Matthews has been drafted has not put up over nine hundred in this playoffs. Uh, so considering Joseph Wolf has done that, uh, I think that's considerably considerably good um but yeah going back to martin jones i don't think he was any more than a third goalie and bearing an injury to either one either of the guys i don't think he's going to be playing too much but you know there always seems to be a goaltender issue with the toronto maple Leafs sometime throughout the season where both goalies get hurt at the same time and they are scrambling and ending up with guys like eric shalgren or trying to sign guys like harry satari and it just it's always just a a huge commotion sometime in December or January. So I guess we'll see when Martin Jones's time comes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're talking a lot about a third goalie here. So let's, uh, yeah, yeah. let's, Martin let's carry jo- on. Martin Jones next. is inevitable. Just one, yeah. one la- lasting point there. You touched on the playoffs. Uh, Martin Jones has played 63 playoff games in his career. He's a That's Stanley Cup fantastic. champion and a Stanley Cup finalist with the Sharks. Yeah. Like, wow. Like play yeah, a playoff champion experience. With the so, Kings, right. 
right? Yep. He won with the yep. Kings, right? Yep. Him and Jake Muzzin on the 2014 team are the pretty sure the only Leaf Stanley Cup champions on the roster, which is which is lovely for us. But uh, huh. <laughs> anyways, yeah, if, if you need him in a pinch in the playoffs, he, he has some experience there. Um, but yeah, that's a lot of talking uh, on a third goalie. But there were some people like myself, I was probably in the minority, they were a little concerned about that signing, but uh, kind of smart just to ensure it's back there. Especially if we get into... Game one here against the Montreal Canadiens, if Ilya Samsonov is going to struggle uh, like he did in the playoffs, uh, let in five goals, Leafs ended up winning the shootout 6-5. Uh, you were at the game again, Anthony, so you can probably speak to this a little bit more, but Samsonov on a few of those did look a little shaky. Yeah, he. Uh, it wasn't... It wasn't his best game by far. If anything, it was probably one of his worst games with Toronto. I believe he had. He opened the game allowing three goals on the first 14 shots, but the Caulfield goal did get called back. And then he ended up ending the game with not only 19 saves on 24 shots. Um, so that's a nine or seven, nine, two save percentage. Um, that's not good. And, and yeah, I mean, he, uh, he, he allowed one power play goal and that wasn't the issue because a lot of the time, like four of the five goals were all even strength. Um, I think on the, I think the issue with him was, or I guess the, I'm not going to sit here and blame all five goals on him because I know oh, no. you, I think everybody has kind of seen what happened that, that game and uh, the first goalie with, or the first goal, sorry, with Brody tumbling at the blue oh, line and then allowing the, uh, allowing the breakaway to Jake Evans. And, and I mean, yeah, it was a breakaway, but it's not like the goalie has the advantage there. Um, but in the end, it goes in. Um, and then I know even going back to, uh, to I think it was New Hook's first goal, where it was the two-on-one or three-on-one, where uh, um, where McCabe made a bad pinch, and he kind of just allowed that to happen. Um, and then obviously, like, there wasn't really anything too too crazy with the with the Caulfield goal or the Newhook goal, um, but the Jesse Einan one at the end of the game where Montreal scored their final goal of the game um, was was kind of rough because they had the Leafs had a D man out in front uh, and Einan made a made a fake cut to the middle and Samsonov bit, which ended up leaving a lot of net open and Einan ended up roofing that and then. Uh, uh, it's just not something that an NHL goaltender should do. Like, I know you're a goaltender yourself. I'm not a goaltender, so I can't sit here and, <laughs> and talk about how, how easy goaltending is, but it's, you're an NHL goalie. You're playing probably one of the worst teams in the league and you have probably one of your worst games as a Maple Leaf so far. Um, I mean, it was, it was tough. It was a tough first game for him, but you know, Sammy had a fantastic season last year. So I think he's going to bounce back. I think it's just, you know, opening night jitters. And it's it'll, early. It, it's historical for the Leafs to have a horrible October and November. They, yeah. they seem to do it every year. And there's always questions arisen, whether this team, this team's capable of doing anything. And then they end up coming wherever in the division and making the playoffs. But, uh, but that's a talk for another day, but no, I think Samsonov is going to, uh, definitely rebound i think he's yeah. he, his odds of doing that are a lot higher than him not for sure like i have a tweet saved in my drafts that we'll never see the light of the day now because they won but uh, i sent it to our group chat it literally says the nhl season has not begun until the maple leafs lose to the canadians in their home opener exactly it seems like every single season this is the the season opener if not the leafs home opener and they always come out with a bad performance leave the goalie up to dry and end up losing mm-hmm. uh, i pulled out the win the shootout last night but yeah sammy didn't look great from the clips i saw again i wasn't able to watch the entire game but especially that jesse elinan is that how you pronounce island so i i don't know how to pronounce this guy's yeah, name Jesse Ian and starts, I, starts, I don't even know if I'm saying it. it has, yeah. Yeah, uh, apologies <laughs> yeah. to Jesse and his family for pronouncing that wrong. 
<laughs> oh god anyways but yeah you're right he completely bit on that play i'm yeah. looking at just a, like i watched the clip right here and just looking at a still of when the shots actually released he goes forehand backhand and same he's like a foot and a half outside of the blue ice you definitely mm-hmm. want to come out and challenge the goalie but you don't need to be sliding that far out yeah. and that's one thing with samsonov that has been a little concerning when he has his shaky games is he relies a lot on his, on his athleticism mm-hmm. and not to stereotype, but that does seem to be a thing with some of the Eastern European, like Russian goalies. Yeah. Uh, Preedam Razak was really bad for that. Just sliding all over. We even oh, seen in the first few games in Chicago right now, like the game against Pittsburgh on that Crosby mm-hmm. goal. It's like Seems to overcommit. Yeah. yeah, overcommits. He's outside of the blue ice on the other side of the net from where the puck is. And he's yeah. trying to slide back. Sammy does that a little bit. It, it does result in some big saves and some big moments. Um, but he can get out of position. That's what he did in, on the Elon and goal here. Um, yeah. He did a little bit last night. And it is early. I'm expecting him to still have a, a decent season. He's by no means like a, a, a Vesna candidate, but mm. he's still youngish. He's like about 26, I think. 26, 27 ish. Yeah, I, I believe uh, so. Like, yeah, something along those lines. He's still developing a little bit, kind of coming into his own as a starting goalie. And last year was really the first season that he established himself as a true starter. Like Washington gave him the opportunities. Yeah. But he never really ran away with it. And last year was really the first time we saw that. So mm-hmm. I'm expecting him to bounce back after a bit of a shaky start. Maybe even go more of a platoon platoon situation with him and Wool. Uh, they yeah. can both push each other. So like they, they have an option back there if he's struggling. But just just a concerning start. And it, it is very typical Leafs. Like <laughs> come out and kind of hang him out to dry. Like Brody blowing a tire and a breakaway. Bad pinch leads to a three on one. It's like yeah, Klingberg's not the best defensive guy, but like you can't really blame him there. You're outnumbered yeah. three to one. Like yeah, exactly. uh, they're gonna get the passes across. So not too <clears throat> much concern with Samsonov. I think he'll definitely bounce back, like you said. But just something to keep an eye on with like he did look shaky at some points last season and we saw shades of that again in this first game. So just something mm-hmm. for him to correct, but mm-hmm. uh not to concern uh everyone too much. Uh someone who was also maybe not struggling, but didn't perform as well as we really expect last season was of course the big man, Mr. Austin Matthews came into yeah. the season, signed a, a big contract, big, big in, in monetary value, not necessarily a term. I think it was what five years, $13.25 million. Uh, uh, yeah. Th- three or four or sorry, four or five years. I can't remember, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, four years. I want to say actually, cause yeah, I think years. five years four was years. his last contract. Yeah. Um, big, big money on, uh, if not the biggest term, uh, oh, I guess he did just change this to the Matthews contract, uh, which we can talk about a little bit. But to get into that, he this game really looked like that player that deserves that that top end money. Like he's mm-hmm. right now. Well, I guess the contract doesn't kick in until next season, but currently that contract is projected to be the the highest AAV in the league. It's above yep. McKinnon's twelve point six, which kicked in this year, which was obviously surpassed McDavid's twelve point five. So. Going into next season, as of right now, he's going to be the highest-played player in the league. And last season, he was dealing with some injuries. Like, he's always had injuries with his wrists and shoulder and back and all that. Um, but going into last season, he was coming off a 60-goal season, won the Bruce Richard, won the, the Hart and the Ted Lindsay. Didn't quite look like himself last year. He no. still put up a good season, but this game against Montreal was right back to it. He was a dominant presence. I think you said he shared for the le- the not the league, lead, the team leading hits with three. And obviously put up a hat trick, two game tying goals, I believe it was uh, the, the two, the two near the end that mm-hmm. brought it within one and then tied the game. Just <clears> dominant <throat> presence and definitely earn, he's earning his money so far and looks like he's back to his heart level self. 
Uh, yeah, you know, it's, you know, you're a superstar in a league when 40 goals in 70 games is a down season for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, you know, he, I'm not going to sit here and say he had a fantastic season last year. Cause he, like for his standards, it wasn't like it was 85 points in 74 games, including 40 goals. Um, especially just coming off his 60 goal season, um, you know, with, with all those shortened seasons and even some of the injury struggles that he's had over the, over the previous few years, um, he probably should have th- at least three 50 goal seasons under his belt. But as of yep. right now, he only has one with the 60 goal season. Um, but, uh, but no, like he, he played lights out last night. Uh, he had the power play goal, um, and then he ended, like you said, scoring the fourth and fifth goals on the six on five advantage. Um, and you know, if he can, I don't think he's going to do it, but what is he, what's, what's, what's he on pace for with three goals in his first game? Like it's, it's ridiculous. Like don't he's you, on, like uh, if he on kept pace? three goals a game, 250 goals, like that's Two, ridiculous. Yeah, 246. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, I say, say he, he I say it. does it. <laughs> so, uh, so I think he could definitely, uh, you know, have a phenomenal season. You know, it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, Austin Matthews, I think, what is he entering his, uh, his eighth season? Oh my God. Yeah, this is his eighth season. Wow. Um, And, you know, a hat trick on opening night. And that's not even his best opening night. So, I mean, hey, it is, uh, (laughs) it is what it is. I think he had, I think he played great last night. Um, We saw him featured with Marner on the penalty kill a couple times last game. Um, And I, you know, I can't sit here and say he played bad at all. I think he had a fantastic game, you know, with a hat trick. I don't think I really care how bad you play defensively. You scored three goals. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I think he had a. I think he had a. I think he had a great game. Uh, I hope he has a. I hope he has a replication of a sixty goal season this year. Um, yeah. I think that would be great for us to see. But I think he's this season. I think he'll end up end the season being fourth. I think on the Leafs all time goal list. Uh, I'm not too sure who is fourth, but I was looking at it a, yesterday or two nights ago. Um, and I think he needs 30, 30 something this season to pass. So I think he's got three out of the way right now. So let's uh, let's hope he gets four. And it's crazy to think that. He's in his eighth season with Toronto. I feel like I'm getting old here, but uh, yeah, that's what I was just saying. Like, I can't believe it's, it's eight years already. It's ridiculous. I know, and you know, it's eight years, and he's here for this season. Or sorry, this is his five eighth more. season, and he's here for five or for four more. Sorry, well, yeah, so four more. We're after gonna this have one. at least at least what twelve seasons of uh, of Austin Matthews. Of Austin yeah. Matthews. Um, but no, I think he's gonna have a great season, and. Uh, and yeah, I mean, now I think it's time to touch on the other, on one of the other Maple Leaf superstars with a, with a contract issue here. Um, we're going to get into a little bit of William Nylander talk here. Um, now, what are your thoughts on on everything going on, especially with the money that they're apparently offering and the money that, you know, he's holding out for? Yeah, well, well before we, we get into that, let's just start, like, there's so much reports out there about like what he's like looking for and what he wants. It's It's hard to believe all of them. Mm-hmm. I think let's let's establish like some level playing field here. He's looking for like double digits, right? Like ten yeah. million. I don't know if I'll give it. I love Willie with all my heart. I mm-hmm. don't think he's worth it. Like you look around at some of the big contracts that have been doled out. Yes, there's maybe some younger players, but like they're in that nine million dollar range. Even like all the big Tampa stars are like Kucherov's nine point five. Uh, I think Point just got nine point five. <clears throat> Yeah, like, I know. I know we're we're getting into the, this world in the NHL. There's time in the NHL now where there's ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen million dollar contracts, and the players that are getting those contracts are definitely deserving of it. But Nealander is like the third best player on this team now. Mm-hmm. You, you can't have like 
I, I know they're doing it literally as we sit here. They're paying their third best player. Well, their fourth best player, technically, if even maybe lower down the rank and John Tavares, uh, mm-hmm. $11 million, different circumstance. But mm-hmm. I don't think you can afford to pay William Nylander double digits. Like yep. if he wants to extend eight years, nine mil, 9.5, I am all for it. 100%. Mm-hmm. But the reports yep. are that it's not just 10 million. It's north of 10. Like, again, I, I love this player. I I should pull up his stats here, but he had like, I think he was close to 40 goals, if not hit it last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had 40, I believe. I think he hit load. over. It hit he 40, 40 exactly. Yeah. yeah. 40 goals, 87 points, back to back 80 point seasons. Like he's a point per game guy. He's a 30, 40 goal guy. Mm. He's, he's not Austin Matthews. He's not Mitch Marner. He shouldn't no. be making the 11 million. Like I know Mitch is just under but like the 11, <laughs> $13 million that those guys are going to command. Yeah. Yeah. I think if he, if he falls right in that, like 9 million, 9.5 times eight, seven, eight, all the contracts are going shorter now. So maybe even like five, six years. I won't love mm. it. But if he falls <clears> in that nine to 9.5 AAV range, I think that's perfect. I'd love to keep him. I don't, even if he doesn't sign, I don't want them to tr- like sign an extension. I don't want them to trade him this season just to get value back. I think mm. he's valuable enough and good enough that it's worth sticking with him. Even if he walks into agency, which would suck. I think it's worth sticking with him through the playoffs because he is also a very good playoff performer. Of like course. Four goals, 10 points in the playoffs last year through 11 games, seven points in seven games year before that eight and seven the year before that. Like this is a good player that I want to keep, but it just it's I don't think they should or can afford him north of ten, going to ten, ten and a half, eleven million dollars. Yeah, it's uh it's it's definitely a large ask. Um just I'm just gonna throw this out here, like Johnny Goudreau last or I guess not last season, two seasons ago, ending yeah. at the end of the twenty one, twenty two season. Probably the most notable free agent in, in the NHL since twenty eighteen when John Tavares signed with Toronto. Um he has he had 115 points that year, including 40 goals. Um, and he signs nine, 9.75 million for seven years in Columbus. Um, and I understand it might be a different cap scenario, especially if the cap does jump that it will. So 10 million sort of is still, even with the jump, is going to be more than what Goudreau was making. And that is after an 115-point season. Um, Nylander obviously had 87 last year with 40 goals. Um, now, if he can come close to an 100-point season and maybe even more this year, then maybe we might have different opinions as to yeah. as to signing him for $10 million that he's if he asking. Comes out, if he comes out and he has like a 50-goal, 120-point season, oh my God, yeah, give him $11 million. But yeah, that's exactly. not the player he's been so far. No, and and I think that's what everybody seems to be talking about is how uh, you know Nylander wants ten million, and the team might only be at whatever they were. Like I think the late, like the most notable report I saw was eight and a half was the highest they'd be willing to go. Um, and I think people are all talking about how if he wants that extra one and a half million, you know, he has to play the two, the the, the full two hundred foot ice. I think he has got to play both ways. And I think I don't disagree necessarily with them. I'm usually against like what the uh, what the boomers and old heads say about the physical players and playing defense and all that stuff. But no, I think William Nylander is bound for a great season. And if he can do better than he did last season and put up a hundred points, fifty goals, whatever, even replicate somewhere in relation to what Johnny Goudreau did to earn him him, him that contract, I think. Uh, I don't think we'll be talking about it, but I mean, ten million as of what you've done in your career right now, I think is uh, is kind of crazy to talk about. Yeah, and like 
I think we're both pretty big Nylander supporters. Like that, for I don't sure. think anyone would be wrong to say um, we're definitely pro keeping him. It's just for at sure. the right cap hit, and exactly like you just said, the boomers are right every now and then. <laughs> like exactly. he's a guy that he'll take shifts off. He'll just sometimes he's just like uninterested. And he's mm-hmm. been he's been public with that that he's a guy that needs that tough love that needs to be pushed. Yeah. And on one hand, do you want to commit that much money to a guy that needs to be pushed like that? But it's like at least he's at least he's self aware and knows it. And that yeah, as long as his team pushes him, and Sheldon Keith, like people, he's called him out publicly and people have been on him. But like Nylander said, he needs that. And when that happens, he's undeniably a superstar in this league. He is sure. one of the best goal scorers. For like, sure. Again, we, we saw last, or not last night now, but last game, the, the one-timer on the power play. If he can set up on that spot like a, like a Stamkos, like an Ovechkin, he can definitely have another 40-goal, maybe upwards even of 50-goal season. And mm-hmm. he can show us that he's going to be worth that $11 million. <clears throat> but if he continues to like take shifts off and just sometimes not try and you, you know when he when he's pulling up in the in the offensive zone you know flat on the wing stop up turn back you, you can almost expect it every time uh exactly. he's gotten, he's gotten away from that recently but there are definitely flaws like there's no no one's perfect conrad david isn't a perfect player there's flaws with every player yeah. um just kneelanders are more noticeable sometimes and he's exactly. been public about it uh himself too so it, it's it's a tough issue like between a rock and a hard place like i love this player so much he's so good i want them to keep him Mm-hmm. He overcame everything with that initial contract where he just had a brutal season uh, after signing what's like just under 7 million. But I think like the, the total contract is like, yeah, it was like 7.5 mil AAV. It, yeah. Or not AAV, it was seven like and a half. Yeah. Seven it was seven and a half. Year, but but be, yeah. Cause he signed so late into the season. The first, the first year I think was over 10 million and the rest of the contract was 6.97. Yeah, exactly. Which is pretty like, nice. But yeah. He, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, but loving that, loving that right now. But because of, of how bad he was after that, like that first season on that contract, there's always sure. been this negative outlook on him as a player, which I'm glad he's overcame. But it's still there somewhat. So, yeah. like, I want this guy to succeed. I was both of us obviously want this guy and this team to succeed. Like, and mm-hmm. I want this team su- to succeed with him. So hopefully they can do that this season, and then if they win the cup, hey, give them all the money in the world. But uh, yeah, at this point, <laughs> at, like literally, like. I know it's like such a flawed topic to talk about, especially like considering here we are talking about it. But I mean, like realistically, if the Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup and whatever players are on the team got like literally like max AV and max term, I I probably would not care. I would like, not care. The Leafs, the they Leafs could not could win a game the rest of my life. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> I, I like if I like I've seen every other sport team I have cheered for win multiple yeah 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 it's never been one it's been multiple and the maple leafs are the only team bandwagon fan yeah exactly what i am right yeah um no but i've seen uh, anyway sorry yeah bandwagon the leafs is that's that's wild i don't know why anybody would do that i think (laughs) it would cause it would cause a lot of stress and a lot of gray hair in the first year of doing that but i mean um no it's been uh like i'm like here we are we're in our 20s like i can only imagine like for example like i know my dad was born two years before the maple leafs won their last stanley cup so he's uh he doesn't even remember that so and he's been uh, he's been a leaf fan longer than me he's been probably he's easily a bigger fan than me lives and breathes them so i mean um it's definitely something you you aspire for and i mean again like if the leafs win the cup i don't care how how screwed they made their future and no. how bad their cap situation would be like i think that would be it i think i would just 
sit back and watch and i would not care about what happened oh with my the, god with, with no. them for the rest of the time no chance yeah like like my, my dad was born may 15th in 1967 they wow. won the cup may 2nd of that year he wow. is 56 so, years old and he has never seen the, the least cup victory that's yeah that's that's that's, that's crazy yeah that's yeah. crazy so yeah for for him for myself they, they win the cup this year and again like trade the entire core never win a game the rest of my life could not care cup champs so yeah and it's, it's funny to even talk about because even even after the first game i was just at like leaving the arena there were so many people that were just like having a good time outside and it just yeah. everybody was asking each other like what the parade route is this year and it's like well okay like they just yeah. they just it's beat the canadians in the first game it's already drawn up i mean matthew's hat trick like it's just bound to yeah. happen right so so yeah yeah which uh t- touching on i guess we can go into some more um logic based predictions here for the rest yeah, of the season as a for sure obviously they're they're trying to win the cup like but you're living added a bunch of guys like we talked about on one-year contracts for it, sure it's an it's an all-in season they've it feels like they've been trying to go all in well not merging not excuse me i can't speak for all of a sudden <laughs> not mortgaging the future too much yeah. but it feels like every season for the past th- three or four years now it's been looking towards this is a team that needs to win now yeah it's uh it's yeah i think you you nailed it there i think uh it's something that you have to do with this core or it's going to be another very long time and it's just i don't know what it is like i think like i think you can for for example the rest of the atlantic um you know boston losing their top two centers i think that definitely is going to hurt them i don't think they're going to finish top of the division this year um Tampa with the injuries to Vasilevsky, um, especially him being out until maybe December, it'll be tough, especially behind Jonas Johansson. Um, and then you obviously have the the others, like the rest of the the division hey, that you know are still Stanley Cup very young. Florida Panthers. Yeah, you know the Florida Panthers. They have their top two defensemen out for a little bit. Ekblad and Montour, I think, on both yeah. are both on long term injury reserve. Um, and then obviously the rest of the division is is still fairly young. You can definitely see teams like Buffalo, like Ottawa, as, as much as it pains me to say Ottawa. Um, and and you can even look at Detroit as as one of those young teams. But you know it's. The division is going to be tough. The Atlantic's usually always very good. It's one of probably one of the better divisions in the league. Uh, this year, Absolutely. I don't know if I can say the same, especially with New Jersey um, in the Metro. Um, but no, I think uh, I think if we talk if we want to talk about predictions here, realistically, bearing injury, of course, I do not see another team finishing higher in the Atlantic than the Toronto Maple yeah. Leafs come the season end. Yeah, I agree. I think. I mean, uh, I think that's a flat point. I think. Yeah, seems like that seems like a lot of people that aren't even Leaf fans and would agree. Um, but yeah, I'll let you go. Yeah. With that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that, that's the expectation. I think. Like, sure. obviously, the goal is to win the Stanley Cup, but mm-hmm. there's regular season you have to play before that to get you to the playoffs. Missing the playoffs is catastrophic. I don't think it's even an option at this point. If if they mm-hmm. do end up missing, there needs to be sizable changes coming. Of course, um, but I don't think that's. Again, barring injury, not gonna knock on wood. <laughs> Please, <laughs> no one, <laughs> no one get in for the rest of the season and make us miss the playoffs. Knocking on wood, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there we go. Thank you, thank you. Um, this team is a playoff team, and they they should be top of the division. Like I have the standings from I have the standings from last year pulled up. Again, Boston was insane. Sixty five wins, one hundred thirty five points. Only yeah. lost twelve games in regulation. That's nuts. But yeah, yeah, they they lose one of if not the greatest defensive forward of all time in Patrice Bergeron 
mm-hmm. and and their captain. He he retires. They lose um, David Krejci as well. I know he was gone for one season there, and they took a bit of a dip, and then came yeah. back for last year. But he's officially retired too. Uh, I think, or did he just? He, anyway, he's he, on went, the team. he went to I the think, yeah. He went to the Czech Republic for that one season, to, came yeah. back, and then I think he's retired now. I, I think could he be did wrong. officially retire from hockey. Yeah. in total. Um, they lose him. They obviously acquired Tyler Batuzzi, who's now on the Leafs. Um, yeah. They still have a pretty solid decor. They still have that great goalie tandem of Allmark and and Jeremy Swayman. Yeah, but their center core is pretty rough. Charlie and Coyle, th- first line center, or is it yeah, Zach? I can't it's remember. Zach or it's, Coyle yeah. or someone. And like they still have Pasternak, they still have Marchand. They're still gonna be a decent team. Like I don't see them being below five hundred. Mm-hmm. I, they're probably on the playoff cusp. Like the the best I can see them really doing is third place or the wild card. So yeah. right there, there's the top two spots open. Yeah. Tampa finished third last season with a healthy Vasilevsky all year. I think they were mostly healthy last season, unless I'm misremembering anything. From what I remember, I want to say like there's. I feel like their stars definitely missed games, but like it wasn't yeah, anything. Not wasn't anything prolonged, jumps. like months or anything. Yeah, yeah but they definitely yeah. took a step back from the three straight Cup Finals appearances. Yeah, um, they lost some of those bottom six guys to trying to replace them in house, which they've they've always been able to produce guys that come up kind of out of nowhere out of that AHL mm-hmm. system. Um, but they, they finished third last year, and now they're missing Vasilevsky. They're starting goalies, Jonas Johansson, like you said, yeah, for like, what, month or two here in the start of the season mm-hmm. when you, you definitely can't make the playoffs in the start of the season, but you can definitely miss them by losing points early on. For and sure. And I don't think they will miss. I think they're capped at finishing, yeah, second or third in the division. So, again, there's that top spot open. And, mm-hmm. yeah, Florida did make the cup final last year. Um. Sergei Bobrovsky is very streaky and yeah. can never seem to put together in, in, in like back-to-back seasons of Vezina quality goaltending, but he does have yeah. that capability. So really the only team I really see challenging them for the division is Florida because Matthew Kuchuk is <clears throat> obviously one of the best players in the league, heart-level player. I think he finished mm-hmm. third in voting last year. If Bob can be a Vezina level, Florida can definitely be up there. Um, but... Looking at Buffalo, like these young teams you mentioned, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, definitely not Montreal. I don't really see anyone else challenging them. So the expectation, no. I think, is win the division, which For sure. they've For only sure. done in that COVID-shortened season in the North Division, where it was just Canada. Yeah, the most elite not one, but won yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know, like, <laughs> cup finalists out of that. That was crazy. Exactly. But, <laughs> That's that, that should have been, that, like... I still get so mad thinking about it because that was the easiest, yep. the easiest route to the Stanley Cup Finals, playing the Montreal Canadiens first round and then up the Winnipeg 3-1. Jets in the second round while being up 3-1 in the Montreal series. Like as much as I want to talk about it, I don't want to talk about it. But yeah, that that season should have been the season where, where oh, all boy. this went away, all the wanna, pain went away. You want to tell me, but I want to talk about it. Game seven was on my 19th birthday. Oh, you can man, imagine yeah. how much I was drinking yeah. that night. Yeah, that was that was rough. That was a rough night. I yeah. remember watching that in my uh, yeah. in my backyard, and and that was the that's when I tried to break the curse by uh, by burning my Marner socks. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I ever remember oh sending you that video. God. I don't. But, I don't yeah, think that I've was. Seen that. I, I had some very oh some very God. very very funny Mitch Marner socks. I don't even know if they were the real like Leafs branded like one, but the, he just it didn't look like Marner, stuff. but it was Marner. Oh yeah, my God. yeah, and it was it was bad. I remember going into the fire pit and Jesus, I was just man. it was out of sheer luck. Like Mitch, if you ever listen to this podcast, I apologize. Um, you're my boy. You know, I saw you at, the, at my 
golf course this summer. You're my man, but I can't do that. Uh, I did, it was just something that I had to do to break the curse, and and obviously has yet to work. Uh, but, didn't uh, work. but we're working there. We're working for it. Getting there. Hey, it broke the first round curse eventually. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, so, anyways, moving on from the regular season. Yeah, winning the Atlantic, I think, is the expectation. I think anything yeah. short of that is a disappointment. For sure. I don't think they need to win the like finish first in the East or win the President's Trophy. The President's Trophy itself has been a curse, so mm-hmm. I almost don't want that. And like Carolina and New Jersey kind of look like they're probably going to be the top teams in the East. One of them too. So yeah. finishing second or third in the East, winning the Atlantic, I think is the expectation for this season. Yeah, and I don't think that's that's uh, shooting too high at all. No, I don't think so at all. I think uh, I think if the Leafs can win the division, they'll be playing. Uh, well, they'll like if they win the division, they'll play the better wild card team, right? Yeah. I think that's how that works. So, yeah. um, uh, yeah, so, assuming, you know, assuming Carol, like whoever wins the Metro is uh, a higher seed in the conference, then yeah, the Leafs yeah. will play the number one wild card team if they finish yeah. first. Yeah, like I think I had, uh, I think I had some, some, t- I want to say it was a tweet, I can't remember, but I think my uh, prediction was Toronto to win, Tampa to come second, and then having. Buffalo actually come third. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just have some very odd feeling that uh, that the Sabers, you know, are going to put up a fight and will make the playoffs. Um, and I think that they're actually going to come third in the division. Um, and then the other two divisional spots coming to Florida and Boston. As much as I wanted, and I felt like I had to put the Senators there, I could not do it. I just don't think that you know, with with Shane Pinto being out right now, and Josh Norris being out for however long, and having a goalie, your your starting goalie is now Anton Forsberg, who or not Anton Forsberg, sorry, is Jonas Corposalo, yeah, and he's had some uh, some struggles as of late, and uh, and honestly, they just it just for whatever reason, it's the Senators. Like they just ever since that playoff run where they made the conference finals against Pittsburgh, I just don't think that their team is good enough yet to 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 do it. And I don't think that they're going to be able to challenge, but um, no, we'll see how they're, it is. They're like, building yeah. to it. They're building to yeah, it, but sure. I don't think it's their time yet, but for I don't, sure, I no. don't hate that Buffalo pick. I, I really no. like Devin Levi. I think they yeah. definitely overperformed from whatever expectations were last season. And yeah. same thing with, same thing with uh, Ottawa. I think they, they have a, a good core that they're building there. They're young. They only missed the playoffs by one point. They were only one yeah. point behind the Florida Panthers. So yeah, yeah I, I don't hate that pick. I can see, I definitely, definitely can see Buffalo coming up, uh, Tage Thompson becoming even more of a superstar. They yeah. Darlene and Power, they just signed a big long-term deals. Yeah. Like, I, I like that team. I think, I think, yeah, even with uh, with another guy that fell pretty far in the draft was Zach Benson and, you know, ends up yeah. in he made, pick he 13 team. in Buffalo and he makes the team. And I think in his, uh, in his first game, he didn't look bad at all. Um, and uh, with the team, with Buffalo playing horrible, I think they lost 5-1 to New York. Um, I think... Benson like I was looking at some of those like advanced stat cards or whatever and I saw that Benson had the highest or the second highest rating on Buffalo considering losing 5-1 so I think Benson can do it I honestly think Benson stays on the team past his nine game threshold Um, so I think that would be that would be pretty good for them I think Buffalo has a very good team this year Um, let's just see if uh, Devin Levi can be a capable goaltender on the back end for a full season, yeah, yeah, I think that'd be a pretty good uh, first round matchup if they slot into that first ball card spot against the Leafs. Uh, yeah, for nice, sure. The the QEW rivalry won't be won't be too far from school. I can no, uh, hit yeah, up all the Sabres yeah. Sabres games. I was going to say you and Nana could go, away. but Nana's not paying for that. So no, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, but no, I think it'll be good. I think uh, yeah, I think yeah, we're yeah. in for a good season here. I think 
especially with you know everything that we've spoken about their signings everything that happened in the first game and and even these predictions that we're talking about now i think uh it'll be entertaining it'll we'll see some teams that are historically known for being bad be pretty good this year and we'll see in some teams you know have uh have probably the best regular season of, of all time last year, or I guess it has, I guess factually it was, I don't, I guess we'll see how good they are this season losing yeah. uh, some two key players, but, um, but yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. We'll start to wrap up here, but just quickly we'll touch on the playoffs, any expectation or anything there, obviously when the first round, uh, I know I, I mentioned this in the group chat, but for opening night, a lot of the TSN panelists had a Carolina, Toronto, Eastern conference final. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, th- I honestly think it would be pretty good. Um, I think that would be pretty interesting to see. Um, I don't think Carolina, personally, I don't think Carolina makes it past New Jersey. I just don't think Carolina has. Carolina has been very good, and they've, they've you know, shown playoff success over the last handful of years, especially with Brenda Morris' coach. Um, I just don't think Carolina has the the star power. And I know right now they don't have Svechnikov because he's still out. Um, but... I just think New Jersey, you know, with with Hughes, with Meyer, with Bratt, with Hamilton, I think their team is just too star-studded to not make it into the Final Four. And I think that having the Leafs there and not having the Devils there is is definitely something because I definitely do think the New Jersey Devils have a better team. Um, but I think, you know, like what you just said, Carolina, Toronto. Um, I think that would be a good series. I think Toronto could definitely put up a fight. I think Carolina could definitely put up a fight. I think if you I think if you had that series today, I think the the odds, the betting odds on that series would be completely even for either team. Um, I think that would be it would be a very close matchup and it would definitely be interesting. It would definitely be something that, you know, us Leaf fans aren't used to because we're in the third round. Um and then uh It's been a while. Um yeah, I know it's definitely been a while. And um and yeah, no, I think that'll be exciting. I mean, just the thought of the Leafs making it that far in the playoffs is exciting. So I think that's what I'm a little bit more excited for, just yeah, to see if say. we can just to see if we can do that. Um, and I think you know, looking back on last year's lineup to this year's lineup, like especially on opening night, it's like world different. It's it's Completely crazy. Different. Um, um, and it's nice to see you know some a former right-handed defenseman wearing number three, not on the team anymore for a now new, for a now new defenseman wearing number three. Um, I think that's pretty good. They have Um, a similar build too. So I was really confused with the other day, but yeah, similar build, except, you know, John Klingberg just missing a few teeth. And uh, uh, (laughs) other than that, other than that, I think John Klingberg is, is pretty good at hockey and like, Hey, kudos to Justin Hall, man. Like he got three, three and a half million or 3.4 million from Detroit. Like, listen, like, Power to you. He had to have been doing something right for yeah. for somebody like Steve Eiserman to yeah, hand him that kind of money, but uh, but no, I mean, hey, kudos to him. But um, but yeah. no, I'm just excited to see how this Leaf team do, does this year. I'm sure that you are too. I'm sure majority yeah, of this Leaf fan bases. So um, yeah, I think those would be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, lasting thought here: Are you disappointed with a conference finalist uh, conference final appearance? Am I disappointed with a conference final appearance? Let's say they make um, it and either Carolina or New Jersey beats them. Is that a disappointing season? If they in lose, if they lose to a team like New Jersey, where New Jersey is arguably a a better team, um, I don't think I'm disappointed, but I don't think I'm satisfied. I think that in that scenario, you have to bring a guy or you have to bring Nylander back um, because, you know, you can see the progress. If they do do that, you can see the progress over the last three years. That's six playoff series that you've played and you lose in first round to, uh, to Tampa. 
then you beat Tampa and then lose in the second round to Florida. If you can win that second round and then lose in the third round, it's progress. I don't think I'm happy, but I don't think I'm satisfied with the third round exit. No, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think there's definitely a case to bring back all of the guys that they signed this season, again, buying yeah. contracts, but I'd, I'd be happy enough, like not satisfied, but I'd be happy enough with a third round appearance. Make yeah. the conference final, obviously want them to win the cup, but yeah. I, I wouldn't be saying blow it up if they lose in the third round. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, so hold on quickly before we head out of here. Oh, what is the, it, what do you think, what do you think happens in the Stanley Cup this year? Who do you think, who do you think oh, makes it and cup, who do you think wins predictions. it? Yeah, oh, let's go right God. now. Oh, game on one, after oh, game geez, one, let's go. Man. Okay, throw me under the bus here. Um, I'm going to take a cop-out answer. Honestly, I really like Vegas. I, yeah. I they, Like, they didn't really lose anyone. And Aiden Hill, I've, I like that acquisition from the start. And he showed in the playoffs, like, that's a good goalie. And with Logan Thompson coming back, they can kind of run yeah. a platoon, not really wear either one of them. And either one of them, I'd be fine with starting the playoffs. Notable Brock alumni, Logan Thompson. I just yeah, think yeah I know. R- ridiculous. Like, you sports <laughs> athlete, now yeah. one of the... <laughs> starting goalies or not sorry but what are the goalies in the nhl only yeah. 62 or 64 spots available for that and he's one of them that's mm-hmm. crazy uh i i still have vegas coming out of the west uh not the most exciting answer but i i think like edmonton obviously looked very bad in that first game it was like what eight one loss that's not yeah. how bad they're, they're not that team especially against vancouver but yeah i i think mcdavid and dry can get back to the conference final same thing with the Avalanche. Like I can mm-hmm. definitely see them making it pretty deep without Landeskog for another season hurts, but apparently he might be back for the playoffs. Yeah. But I just I think Vegas, like, they just they find a way to win games. Like they yeah. have they have some stars. They have Jack Eichel, they have Petrangelo, they have Mark Stone, but none of those guys are really like game breaking players. Yeah. They're just like very good all around, very like not conservative defensively, but like take care of their own end. They score playoff style goals. They got the goaltending to back it up last season. Like I, I feel like it's a safe pick, but I, I feel like yeah. it's a it's a decent one. Like I, I, so I'd have Vegas come out of the West, especially the with Bruce East, Cassidy. Yeah, Bruce yeah, Cassidy's I like big. I like him. I hated him with Boston because he but, was always <laughs> dummy ass. But yeah, yeah, but no, he definitely out coach coach the Leafs back to back years there. Uh, yeah. We don't need to talk about who was coaching. No, the Leafs no, at that no, point, no. But, we're moving on. <laughs> yeah, uh, and out, out of the East, yeah, I think Toronto or New Jersey, like. Per, yeah, it's a Leafs pod, but I'll go. I'll go New Jersey. I don't want to get the okay. hype or the expectation up too much. Okay. But like, like you said, New Jersey has so much star power, and like their goaltending is a little worrying. Like I just, I, I don't love uh, Vitek Vanacek as your starting yeah. goalie, but he, he's not bad. And like, you don't really need a, a game breaker. Like we saw Bobrovsky was that in the playoffs last season. But like I just said, yeah. like Aiden Hill, like he wasn't winning games for Vegas really. Like he had, he had some big moments and big saves, but if you can be a solid mm-hmm. goalie, if Vanacek can just be that, I think they definitely have the team around them. They're young enough that they can afford all these players. Yeah. But they're also, they have some, ex- like they have some experienced guys. Yeah. And I think they're really building something good in New Jersey. So I'm going to go, uh, I know it's a kind of a long-winded way to get to my prediction, but I'll, I'll go to New Jersey, Vegas, and yeah. I'll say Vegas repeats. Okay, I think you know. I think I can't sit here and call any opinion dumb because I think if you, if I think if you said Seattle and Buffalo, I think I would sit here and be uh, like, I have "Well, the Anaheim uh, Ducks winning the Stanley Cup twenty You know what? I think that hey, you never know. Never say never. That's um, true, but. But yeah, no. So for me, um, that's good that you picked New Jersey over the Leafs uh, just because I wanted it mine to be different. And it's good because <laughs> I have. So first off, I have I know it's not about the cup final, but I do have L.A. making it past Edmonton 
and, and slaying that dragon. I do think that, you know, with the additions that they've made in the offseason, especially with their big one being Dubois, Dubois. I think they can uh, I think they can definitely definitely do some damage. You think, I think you think the, Sam Talbot's good enough? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We honestly will see. Um, I don't know exactly what it is. I think that, you know, the Kings always seem to uh, always seem to figure out a way with their goaltending. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm just going to pick them to have to sorry to make the conference final. But I do Ooh. think it, I don't know if it's possible, but I do have them losing to Dallas. I think Dallas makes the cup final this year. It's um, definitely possible. But so um, Dallas coming out of the West for you. So I have Dallas coming out of the West. I just think, you know, with. Oh, I like that. They're, they're just they're just very good with with Ottinger, with Robertson, with Pavelski, with all these guys that they have. Like I, with especially with even Heiskin, I don't know how I'd mention them. Um, they they're just an insane team. I think you know they've shown in the past that they can they can do that. They can show up some of the better teams. So I'm going to go with yeah. Dallas out of the West. Yeah. Sleeper um, for the Norse in there is Miro Heiskinen. Oh, of course, of course. And then coming out of the East, I do have the same final as you. I do have New Jersey and Toronto, um, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say it. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. The go. Toronto Maple Leafs beat the New Jersey Devils in seven games, um, winning game seven, obviously, in New Jersey. And then I have, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to do it because it is a Leafs podcast. I have the Toronto Maple Leafs winning the Stanley Cup in six games against Dallas. There we go. Had to, had to. Had to do it, had yeah, to do it. I'm, but I mean... I'm, I would I mean, much rather your prediction be right than <laughs> than uh, than mine. I know. I, 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 don't, like, I don't need. I don't need to sit here and be right. I'll, I'll cheer for that. I'm not mad at that. Bit of mix. Yeah, I know. I didn't want to. Like, I still think the Leafs can obviously go far. We've already obviously already touched on this. Um, but you know, I don't know what it is. It's gut instinct. Um, and that's that's what it is. Predictions can't be wrong. It's an opinion. So I mean, hey, we'll see what happens in about 81 games from now, and then uh, <laughs> yeah. and then we'll go from there. Yeah, hey, I'd love to see it. But uh, yeah, th- thanks for sticking with us through this first episode of Carlton's Corner. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Carlton's Pod. Uh, we'll be tweeting on there. Anthony will mostly handle, be handling that. And yep. uh, yeah, stay tuned for future episodes. We haven't determined a schedule quite yet, but uh, we'll be coming at you pretty frequently. So thanks for joining us today. Have a good one. And that's all for us at Carlton's Corner. <laughs> <laughs>